played a huge part in my life. So I always played sport through school. You know, I was on every school team. Uh, when I was at college, I played sports university. I did my degree in sports. I played netball through university level. Um, and I think, so sport's always been like just a really special place in my heart. I've learned so much of being part of a team, but also wanting to win, to yeah. be completely honest. Um, but I also think just the culture of, um, we call it sneaker culture here, but for obviously in the UK, it's trainers. Um, but I just think that culture and I think, yeah, at school, I remember, you know, the North of England has got so much heritage with Adidas and it was, had such a stronghold as a brand when I was a kid. Um, and I remember when Nike basically first introduced Air Max shoes in the, the you know, late, late 80s, early 90s. And I just remember being like, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread and I want some of that. And, you know, working class family. Yeah, working class family, we didn't have a lot of money. And so it was, we, I got like trainers from like the catalog. I don't know if you remember the catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also like I remember just when when particular Air Max models came out like it just I just fell in love with it and I think that was just the start of my love of of, of streetwear culture I guess is a bigger thing um, but yeah Nike was just always I just thought it had the best product it was the coolest brand and I just I always wanted to work for them so it was always yeah it was a dream it was a dream to work for Nike you know and I didn't in my mind I think when I was kind of like 18 years old it was in product and it was to work close to product and it's taken me to this point in my career to get close to product. I spent a lot of my career in sales. Um, but yeah, it was just always a dream to work here. And I think that's always been in my like peripheral view as I've kind of moved through my career. So what, how did you, uh, what, what did you do after uni then? How did you kind of get into it? Yeah. So when I finished uni, I didn't know what I wanted to do in the sports industry. My degree was in sport and recreational development. So in essence, you can be a development officer for a local council or for a particular sport to, you know, encourage physical activity in communities and the benefits it can give you. And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with that. So um, at the time I worked in a sneaker store in Leeds called HIP. Um, still going. Probably, yeah, still going strong. Um, and I basically just ended up working there full time and then I got a job at Harvey Nichols um, and kind of got a bit of exposure to the more premium kind of part of fashion and that's kind of how I started just working in retail um, and then I moved through retail I worked for All Saints in Leeds when it was still quite a small company it had like four four stores um, and then it's actually a friend of mine who owned a store called Chimp which was a couple of doors down from the hip um, who was at a buying appointment for one of the denim brands and they were looking for somebody to sell women's denim uh, from a wholesale perspective and he was like I know exactly who I know somebody who could do that and so he put me forward for it and um, I went it was Miss 60 which was huge in the early 2000s yeah. Uh, yeah Miss 60 so I started to work for them and um, from a wholesale perspective and that's how I kind of got into the wholesale side of it worked for a few years for those guys moved to Wrangler so I worked more in the denim apparel side as I got like a bit of a more of an interest into fashion um and then yeah I was working at Wrangler and again somebody kind of said oh Converse are looking for somebody and they just Nike had just taken it back in house it had been a, a licensee to that point so they were kind of starting from scratch so they started a brand new team in London yeah um yeah and so I basically went and met uh, the GM at the time 
got on amazingly well and then went to move to work for Converse, worked there for a few years and that's part of Nike Inc. Um, yeah, and then moved to the European headquarters of Converse, which is the same as Nike. Um, and then eventually kind of made my way through to Nike. Right. So now you live in Amsterdam, don't you? Uh-huh. Did you have to move there to progress your career? Um, yeah, I think to a certain extent. I worked in the territory office, which was London, which is super dynamic. I think it's the fastest paced moving city, you know, globally. So it's just amazing to work in that hub for any brand. Um, but from a strategic perspective um, from the company, um, the European headquarters is where the progression can come. So it's where the bigger accounts are based out of. It's where the product jobs are. Um, so, yeah, I was looking after um, JD at the time for Converse, big retailer in the UK. Um, and I got the opportunity to move to Amsterdam to look after Foot Locker, which is a European account. Um, well, so is JD now, but at the time it was really just a UK-based one. Um, yeah, so I moved here to look after Foot Locker and then that gave me the exposure to get closer to Nike as a brand and yeah I mean it's our European headquarters so for sure I think uh you know career progression comes through the bigger hubs which is here and then hopefully the next one which is the the global head office. So what what is your role now and what does it entail? That's a good question <laughs> whenever I have to explain so um yeah I'm the merchandising director for women's footwear uh, in EMEA so Europe Middle East and Africa um, in essence, we are um, the function that sits between design and sales. Right. So we take consumer insights, marketplace insights, uh, we feed that into the global product engine and, you know, build a line plan and basically designing what we feel we need to serve EMEA. And uh, we work with those guys. And then once we have that, we then hand that over to our sales team who then you know, sees it all the way through to the shop floor in front of the consumer. Um, and I look after women's footwear, which um, encompasses our running category, our training category and our sportswear category. So um, most shoes that you see on women's feet is comes from those three categories. Um, yeah, so that's me and my team. <laughs> and so what's your, do you have a kind of a career of, a career path moving forward is this where that you're yourself being next yeah I mean honestly my previous job um, which was um, looking after women's sportswear which is basically all the lifestyle product um, at the time that was for Western Europe so really just focusing on the main uh, yeah, Western part of Europe that honestly was my dream job that is like as kind of as high and as far as I had envisaged taking my career mm. um so it's an interesting place now to be past that um and what comes next after that you know we had a big uh, reorg uh, as a business which basically pulled all the women's categories together and I was asked to move from sportswear to look after all of the women's footwear um yeah which was a you know a big step up and a big job and that's yeah definitely far surpassed any of where I thought I would be at a brand like Nike. So yeah, I have to kind of re-look at what my goals are and what I want to do next because everything else is just kind of beyond the stars, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love, you know, I love working in the innovation product that we have here. I love product. I've, I've gradually got closer and closer to products as I've gone through my career. Um, so it's either continuing to get further to product or 
it's expanding the merchandising work that I do working in a different category or a different geo. Um, I think now it's probably thinking around how can I impact at a global level rather than a geography level. That would be the next kind of thought process. And um, with the sports world being quite male dominated, how, how have you mm -hmm. found that or experienced it? Yeah, it's super interesting. And I think, you know, as a brand Nike, we're trying to really put women at the forefront of everything we do. You know, they're 50, 51% of the population, depending on what stat you look at. Um, and they're not 50% of our business. Um, so it's a huge priority for us as a brand uh, to put them at the forefront of everything that we do. And I think we've seen, or we've seen strides in that, as you see now in the Women's World Cup uh, that's going on. It's had the biggest media coverage that it's ever had, um, you know, and it's, it's like the first step of how do we move things forward? Mm. Um, you know, participation levels is, is a huge thing. So, you know, there's a much higher drop off of participation levels of girls leaving school than boys, you know, and there's so many different factors to that. You know, there's, there's more five-a-side football pitches, which feel more comfortable for guys to be there versus girls. So, we have to create, you know, safe environments where, you know, girls want to play sport. Um, I think you have to engage with them in a way that they feel comfortable. Um, not everybody wants to play sport to win and to be the best. Mm. You know, they, they engage in physical activity because it makes them feel good. It clears all the stress of their mind. It helps them sleep. Um, it helps with their body image and their self-confidence. So I think it's looking outside of just the doing sport to win to bring people in um, and what's really exciting for me being in the women's category at the moment is that that's something that's a focus so it's a there's a long way to go um, but I think making strides in a different direction is going to help yeah so tell me about um, um, I'm really interested in about Nike's culture and like the type mm -hmm. of things that you do there so just explain a few of the things that I was just amazed, <laughs> amazed at the, uh, like the holiday. Tell, tell us about the holiday situation, how that works. Yeah, yeah. so within uh, RGO, within EMEA, we're going through a new, um, yeah, a new time off system, uh, which started this year. It's called Flexible uh, Time Off. And it's really about creating an environment where it's a flexible time of working and how you work. So, you know, not everybody works great starting at nine and finishing at five and being in the same place every day. And it doesn't necessarily get the creative juices flowing. Yeah. Um, so basically what it's done, it's, it's taken away the structure of specific holiday days. So you've got a number of holidays before and that's what you had to adhere to. In essence, now there isn't a limit on holiday days. It's around taking the rest and recovery that allows you to be at your best. Um, and it's really for you and your manager to work and build, um, yeah, what works for you. You know, we, I travel a lot with work. A lot of the time that's long haul. It's in America. It's over the weekends. Um, and so it's, you know, if I've been and I've got jet lagged, then I have the opportunity to take an extra couple of days when I get back to rest yeah. and to allow myself to come into the business fresh. Mm. Um, it also doesn't just have those really strict you know, if, if I use every day of my holiday up by October, but I really am working hard and I feel like I need an extra break to recharge, now I have the opportunity to do that. Mm. So, yeah, it's the first year. We're figuring out how it goes. Um, what they also introduced is the opportunity to have extended time off to really 
take yourself away from the business and recharge. Um, so I recently took a five week break um, and traveled around Africa. Yeah, which was just an incredible life opportunity. Um, but as I came back into the business, you know, I'm more curious than ever. And I think that is, um, yeah, that's something that I got out of my trip to Africa. And I think it helps me now as I'm back into the business, I'm, I'm asking more questions and I'm just more curious as to the whys and the hows. And I think part of that is because I was able to take that time to really kind of reset. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that trip though, because you didn't just travel around Africa. Why don't you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did it solo, yeah. um, which I try to do at least one big solo trip a year. I think it's yeah, good for the soul to spend time with yourself. I think you see things differently when you travel on your own. You speak to more people, you ask more questions, you're more aware and you just take a lot more in. So I did a three week trip with 12 strangers um, in a big truck, an overland truck where we camped, wild camped in the middle of the bush and digging a hole with a spade to go to the bathroom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I traveled through uh, Zimbabwe, Botswana, and Namibia. Um, did quite a lot of safaris, you know, spent a lot of time in nature just with animals, which was just incredible. Um, yeah, very, very special. And Are then, you scary? yeah. Ever scary with the animals? No, I think, yeah, one of the, <laughs> I think when you're in it, and I think I have this mindset around fear, is that I just, I don't have fear when I'm in the moment because if I let that fear creep in, then I, I interpret things in a different way. So at one point we, um, I was on in the Okavango Delta for a couple of days with a local village. You go into the big canoes and they kind of take you out into the Okavango Delta. We wild camp on marshland that's, um, it's before the rainy season, so it's dry. So as soon as the rainy season comes, it's gone. Um, so we were camping there and you're in the water and you're like five centimeters off the water because the, the canoes are really, really shallow. Um, and there's hippos and crocodiles wow. and they're kind of, you know, they're swimming around and, and the hippos come from nowhere and they just rear their head. And then our polar would just try and get us out of the way as quick as possible. Um, and they did take us to a spot in the Delta where we could swim. So in essence, yeah, you get out of the canoe and you're swimming in the Okavango Delta. And yeah, it's as safe as it can be. Um, hippos yeah, are cute, but they're really aggressive, aren't they? Really, hippos are really aggressive. I think the most aggressive animal that we saw. But also, they it's just territorial. So they're just protecting the environment that they're in. Um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, you're, the, all the animals that I saw were also wild animals. So I purposely didn't go to any ranges that the animals are owned so it's totally wild animals so yeah in essence they can do whatever they want but you just have to be as smart as you can and we I was always with a guide and um, so I wasn't just roaming around on my own um but yeah so that was yeah very very special and then um yeah I finished that in Cape Town and then I picked up a mo motorbike uh, and drove solo around South Africa for two weeks wow. so yeah Different sort of danger, but it's yeah, still great. <laughs> and do you like do you, from these like solo trips that you do? Do you feel do you feel like a real need to be to have to do that? And and kind of what, how do you feel when you come back? Like what are the benefits for you? 
Yeah, I think I've just found, I mean, I live on my own, so I do get a lot of time on my own anyway, but I think, you know, traveling just, you know, opens up your entire world, you know, opens your brain, it opens your senses, it opens your heart. Mm. Um, And I think traveling solo just takes it to another level. I think just the way that I take in the scenery, the local, um, you know, the local food, the local architecture, the local people. I think when you're on your own, my senses are just far more exposed and I take more in. Um, You know, you're not, when you're with a companion, it's a friend or a partner, it's great, but you're together and you're talking and I don't think you take everything in around you as much. So for me, I think it just, traveling on my own just heightens all my senses. Um, and I think it just gives me the space to kind of just reset around, you know, what are my goals? What am I, what am I focusing on? Um, you know, really having that, that space and that time to do that. I'm always so energized when I come back and I'm always, yeah, it always makes me more and more curious the more time I spend on my own and the more time I spend on different places. So yeah, solo travel for me is just one of my favorite things. Yeah. And then um, so tell me about your, your norm, what would a normal day look like for you? So like um, mm. going around your daily routine, what time, what time does the day start for you? Yeah, so I get up quite early, even though I'm not in the office that early, because I really like to have slow mornings. So I'm usually up around 6.30, uh, but I'll spend an hour and a half in the house before I leave. Um, which for a lot of people is just like, wow. Um, But yeah, I take it very slowly. So, you know, I wake up, I have my hot water and lemon. um, I do yoga and I meditate. um, And then I make myself a fresh coffee and always try to have something warm for breakfast. It just feels like it nourishes my body if I put something nice and warm in it. Um, Yeah, and that really takes me about an hour and a half because I just got a very, very slow pace. Um, but I often find that, it like, like an everyday thing. I mean, I mean, unless you're traveling or whatever, yeah. that's like a, it's a set routine for you. Yeah. Every day. I mean, it's interesting when I first started doing it, it was about 18 months ago. If I didn't do it, then my, my whole day was thrown. Yeah. Um, but now what I'm finding is that, you know, it's fine if I, I mean, I don't really oversleep, but it's fine if I give myself a shorter time and I, don't do my full yoga sequence or I don't do my meditation um, because in general I'm just more chilled and calm because I have this kind of every day um, when I travel I also try and implement it you know I have a, a travel yoga mat I still get up early I still have you know my hot water to kind of just get my body going every day and um, I just find that I have a lot of like creative thoughts in the morning and if I have the space, you know, I have my notepad, I might jot things down that I need to do for the day or some ideas that have come overnight Um, and it just gives me the space to do that and I think that's where being disconnected from my phone also really helps just to have that that free space to do that. Um, Yeah, and at weekends, you know, yeah, it's, it might be a three hour morning if I'm not doing something because I go even slower. Um, But I found for me, starting the day slow just makes me really calm um which I think just helps I think it's such a fast-paced environment that I work in you know a lot of my hobbies are also quite adrenaline fueled um and it's nice to just have like a calm foundation underneath yeah amazing and so then what time does work start for you 
Yeah, depending on meetings, um, I'm usually in the office for about half eight, between half eight and half nine, depending on when we have meetings. Um, I, if I'm putting a meeting in, I don't put a meeting in before 9.30 uh, because, you know, people have kids they need to drop off at school, people commute. Um, so I think it's a nice opportunity for people to have their own space in the office before. Um, yeah, and then depending on the day, I can be in meetings all day or I can... Um, be in a couple of hours meetings a day um i'm probably i travel around 30 40 percent of the time as well um so it can vary but if i'm in the office um yeah i'll try and do a workout in the day um, to try and move my body stay active um and then the office can finish anywhere between five and six really yeah. um but a big thing for me as well at the moment is i ride my motorbike to and from the office so I basically get to do one of the things that I love most in the world at the beginning and end of my working day. So it just, you know, brings a lot of joy, I think, into that. Um, yeah, some of the habits that we, that, you know, we try to do as a business, but also as a team is, um, you know, no meetings between 12 and 1. So everybody has that time to either have lunch or do a workout or just have time. Um, so that's kind of like a company rule to just not put uh, lunch meetings. I mean, sometimes you have a lunch meeting, yeah. uh, but no meeting between 12 and 1. You know what, I uh, which... that. That's so great. I used to work at Plaids. I used to work at Bradford Bingley. And one of the things that I absolutely loved about it is between, at lunchtime, the whole marketing team stopped and we all went down and had lunch together. All of us, yeah. and that was like, I don't know, 40 people. Yeah. All of this product, marketing, everyone went downstairs and had lunch. And honestly, everyone was really good friends because of yeah. that thing that we did every day. Yeah, no, it's great. I think it, it's, yeah, it's, you should definitely have that opportunity. Um, we try not to have meetings that are longer than 45 minutes. So we've had, you know, historically we've had an hour meetings back to back to back. And uh, yeah, the office that I work in is a campus in essence. So there's, eight or nine buildings and it can take you 10-15 minutes to walk from one to another um so even just simple logistics like that having an hour-long meeting you, you're always going to be on the back foot um so yeah 45 minute meetings you know never go to a meeting if, if you don't have an agenda so somebody might ask you to join a meeting and if there is no agenda then you know either ask for one or you know don't go um, so it's being really kind of conscious of your time and what the output oh, of the meeting is. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I love that. And then as a function, um, from a merchandising function where I work, uh, we have no meetings Friday. So never meetings in your calendar on a Friday. So that's really a full day for you to spend time with your team, spend time catching up on admin, uh, working from the city, you know, going and just walking around and doing a retail tour. So really trying to like create at least one day a week where you're not taken up by meetings to allow you to, yeah, catch up, I guess, and give yourself the space. I think that's, I mean, that's so important because you end up, I've worked places where you, you're in back-to-back -back meetings and then you literally have no time during the day to do any work. So then you work yeah. on that. Yeah. You know, and that then becomes a normal thing. And that is, yeah. great. That is not great. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you if there's specific deadlines and there's big meetings, of course yeah. you're in meetings from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. Yeah. and sometimes, you know, you're working late, but that's, I think, where the flexible working comes in because, yeah, when the business needs, then, you know, you work, but then 
it gives you the flexibility to take that time back or to rest if it's outside of a normal scope. Right. Okay. And yeah. so how, how, um, how important is food for you during the day? Yeah. So I think my diet is something I've got more in tune to as I've got older. Mm. Um, I think with everything with your body, I think, <laughs> you know, you need to pay more attention the older that you get. Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, a year ago, just over a year ago, I think I went dairy free, which was a big one for me. Um, and I don't really eat, you know, I probably eat meat 20% of my diet. Mm. Um, so I think stripping that out, is just, you know, for me, it really works. It gives me more energy. My body just feels better. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I start, you know, with my breakfast, like I said, I, you know, part of my ritual is grinding my coffee beans because I love the smell of it, making myself fresh coffee, you know, I think you can bring really small elements of joy in your life that just make a big difference. So, you know, fresh coffee and something warm in the morning. Um, and then, yeah, I try to, you know, little and often try to keep uh, energy levels through the day um, and just, you know, put good nutritious things into my body, basically. Um, we have a canteen on, on, uh, on, our, on campus at our office. So it's, there's a lot of variety, you know, there's salad bars and there's, warm plates and there's sandwich bars and there's juice bars um so yeah we're very lucky and you know we can get kind of you can pick exactly what you want when you're here nice yes it's good so um so after you've ridden your bike home you know twice yeah. home, what what does an evening look like to you yeah again i think it varies i think what what i try to have i think variety for me is just super important in my life and I've realized that again as I got older I think just more aware of what brings me energy um and I think variety is definitely that so um you know I usually do yoga one or two nights a week depending on my schedule um you know tonight I'm going out for dinner and drinks with some friends who we used to work with 10 years ago but I try not to do that too much on a school night I like to be in bed early um you know one night this week I went to um a local photographer from Amsterdam did a talk. He's a hip hop portrait photographer. Um, so I went to a talk that he did. He's releasing a new book um, in November. Um, so I try to, you know, do things that inspire me, also make time for friends. But yeah, it, it, it varies. It's, it's, it's balanced. That's the big thing. You know, I w I'm not out every night and I'm not in bed at nine o'clock every night. It's, you know, finding what works and what, yeah, keeps me happy. And have you, when you moved to Amsterdam, is there, did you find, how did you find kind of like making new friends and kind of, yeah, yeah, changing? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's super interesting. I mean, Amsterdam is such a multinational uh, city. You know, there's a lot of big corporations here. There's a lot of big uh, offices here. So it's pretty diverse from a, a European nationality perspective. Um, even actually just, you know, Nike itself, I think there's, I mean, I have within my, you know, the women's team, there's, I don't know, 15 different nationalities. And then in the company, there's, you know, 50, 60. Um, so it's a very diverse place. I think one of the interesting things working for a European head office is that the majority of people who work here aren't from here. Right. So what's great is that everybody's in the same boat. You know, you're away from long-term friends and family. Um, and everyone is definitely more open to, you know, socializing and making friends and meeting people. So it wasn't a very difficult 
Yeah, it wasn't a difficult thing to do when I moved here. I think just because of the size of the business and the amount of people. Um, yeah, it was relatively, relatively easy. And I started um, cycling when I moved here, like road cycling. Um, it's, I mean, it's the flattest place in the world. Um, so it's a good, <laughs> it's a good place to start cycling. At least there's no, no hills. Um, but yeah, I mean, I took up cycling and I met a lot of people through that. Um, which was, yeah, which was good. So, you know, doing the hobbies that I love also kind of got me introduced to a lot of people, kind of back to the sport element, you know, I cycling, did a little bit of rock climbing when I moved here, um, you know, snowboarding, surfing, and you quite quickly kind of find the people that are into that thing. Um, and how then, yeah, life, I think- How is life different there compared to the UK? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, well, I moved from London before I came here, so I've not lived, yeah. So I think coming from London to somewhere is maybe different than coming from just the broader UK. Um, but yeah, I mean, the pace of life is a lot more relaxed. It's a lot slower. You know, it's a very liberal country. Yeah. Um, so it's a very kind of nice, open, uh, yeah, place to live. Um, the weather's a little bit nicer than the UK, which helps. Um, and the Dutch speak the most incredible English. I think like 95% of the population speak English. So it made it very easy as an English speaker to, to move here. The transition was, was, was really easy. Um, what's what I love as well about living here is that it is like a central hub of Europe. So if you love to travel um, just being on mainland Europe, I think makes a difference. It's easier to just jump in a car and you're in Belgium or France or Denmark, like really quickly um so you just feel really connected to a broader europe um and it's super easy to get home as well so um it's a really nice place to live do you speak dutch now uh, nay <laughs> that's my dutch <laughs> i know a few words you know i can ask for a beer chill and uh, but yeah no i'm not yeah, it's when, it's, when everyone speaks English, though, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. That's yeah. my excuse, but it's tough, yeah. <laughs> so what's your room? Um, do you have, like, a bedtime routine? You know, do you, do you watch TV? Do you look at your phone? You know, how, how do you yeah. watch TV? Yeah, so, yeah, I don't really watch a lot of TV, so I don't have TV channels. I have a TV, but it's just Apple TV, and I'll watch, you know, I'll binge on Netflix. You know, Stranger Things has just come out, so I'm sure I'll binge on that in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, but in normally the TV's not on in the evening. You know, I listen to a lot of music, I listen to podcasts uh, when I'm at home. Um, but I try to have like a no technology rule like an hour before bed, um, just to really kind of wind down and give myself natural light. Um, and I want the biggest thing I probably do every night is journal. Um, yeah, without fail, I'll, I'll journal every night. And again, I've been doing that for a couple of years now and it's like the best therapy in the world, I think. Really? Um, oh, honestly, I can't recommend it enough. When I first started, it was like being like a 13 year old dear diary. Today I had coffee for breakfast. You know, it was really like simple, basic stuff. Um, but you start doing it and like it just all of a sudden like poof, everything was coming out um, and, so and it's just are you are you writing specific things I like are you you know is it like you know I'm, I I'm writing about like how I feel spiritually or, or anything like that or is it literally anything that you feel you just get on paper 
it can be anything and it just some and it can be different each day it's I guess it's just how I'm feeling sometimes yeah it's what's happened in the day or it's how I feel or it's things that I need to do or it's ideas that I've had you know and it I mean, if somebody got hold of them, they'd think I was a crazy person. Um, you know, there's kind of, there's diagrams and there's flow charts and there's pictures and there's all sorts of stuff in there. But it really helps me like get rid of the day, you know, get everything out of my head so that I'm able to, um, yeah, be more relaxed as I, as I go to sleep. Um, and I usually um, will do some breathing exercises or like a mini meditation when I'm in bed. Um, you know, we... I use the Headspace app, which is great, just as a nice kind of thing to wind down. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my biggest thing in the evening is to journal and to get off my phone. Yeah, at least an hour before I go to bed. Right. And um, if there was, what advice would you give to other sort of younger people who wanted to get into the same kind of career as you or work for like a, you know, a, a large brand like, like you are? Like yeah advice. yeah I mean I think it's you know keep your passion kind of high and strong I think I honestly I did not have a set career path that I like worked towards and was really rigid to and I've been really lucky in my career where almost every job or company that I've worked for I've been recommended by somebody um, who knows somebody so I think you know, putting yourself in the environment that you're passionate about will automatically be more in an environment connected to the brands that you want to work with, you know? So I think having that strong kind of passion of, of what want, makes you want to get up in the day, what brings you joy, trying to stay as close to that as possible. Um, simple things like be a nice person. It is, sounds so simple, but there's so many people that, just kind of are not that nice and I think if you can just stay true and be nice to everybody that you meet it it makes such a huge difference um yeah and I think building trust with people is like one of my number one things from a team perspective is to be open and to build trust um what's it what your um do you think that women in particular so girls in particular do you feel that you, as a young woman in your team, that you need to be from a family where inspiration is around you all the time, so you're being inspired mm. by your parents, or do you feel that it comes from within? Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, yeah, I mean, if you're lucky enough to have parents that can inspire you and are connected to something that you want to do, that's like, an amazing privilege to have mm. um you know my dad was a policeman um my mum had multiple different jobs but not necessarily anything to do with what I do now so you know I think having support from family and those around you definitely helps mm. um but I think for me it was you know my biggest motivator is that you know in the nicest possible way I wanted to do bigger and better things than my parents as I think mm. a lot of people want to do you know that was my motivation you know I was born in Preston and that's not where I want to die you know so I always wanted to which you know most of my family still live there or in and around the area which is great but I just always wanted to explore and do more and that was just always something that was in me and it wasn't necessarily in 
the other members of the people who were around me yeah. and that was just a desire that I had and maybe that keep going back to that curious thing but maybe I was just super curious from a young age that I wanted to just know what else was there apart from what was right in front of me and I think that's probably been one of the big drives is to is to explore that so yeah amazing if you have the support um but I think it, that's not necessarily always one of the keys to success did you get inspiration from anybody else woman or man did you kind of uh, was there anybody that you looked up to whether that be a peer or a yeah someone in business yeah I mean honestly when I was younger um I have a big brother and he has always been my hero um you know even like as being a teenager with like when I first started to buy trainers it was like I wanted the trainers that my brother had and I wanted to do the things that my brother did and you know he was like a big inspiration for me and he's a successful businessman now we took very very different career paths um but he is still yeah a huge inspiration for me to want to do bigger and better things um so throughout my life, he's probably the one, the one that's been the biggest inspiration for me. I think as I've got older and I've gone through my career and met more people in business, yeah, I've, for sure I've met some really inspirational women, but I've also met some really inspirational men. Yeah. Uh, and I think for me, that's, it's the balance of having, you know, that masculine and feminine energy in my life is, is really important. And obviously I get a lot of the masculine energy from my brother um and I have some really close you know female girlfriends who are successful business women who also challenge me um to think differently to think bigger um yeah so it's it's definitely progressed as I've gone through my life and my career 